DJ Welcome back, everyone. This is DJ Blake keeping you up to date with all the hottest hip hop news and sneaker talk. And today I'm with a very special guest, probably my favorite person in the 92.5 radio station. She's the first person I met in the station, and this is our very own front desk lady, Diana. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Blake. Hi. So I, I every time I come in, I try to make small talk with you. And mm-hmm. the, about a few weeks ago, I found out that you actually have another job. Mm-hmm. Do you want to tell the audience what your second job is? Yes, I actually am the creator of the Gaelic Lenormand. So basically, I am a, a cardomancer, a card reader. Okay. And um, I'm actually third generation from my mother's side of the family. And um, so I grew up reading cards, and I officially learned them when I was about 14, but I've been reading my whole life, so that's my other job. That's crazy, though. Mm -hmm. Like, I I don't know any card readers, so this Mm -hmm. is very interesting to me. My podcast, it might seem like it's focused on music, but I want to interview anyone that's really passionate about their craft, you know? Yeah, Like, there's so like, people don't realize there's always another part to someone. Absolutely. Even if they're just typing away in a cubicle. They have an actual life outside of that. Yeah. Maybe they're working that cubicle to save up money for another job or anything mm-hmm. like that. And mm-hmm. just to get to talk to you, like, I come into the station, she's the first person I see, and it just brightens <laughs> my day. So I just want to give back to you and have people understand more about what you do. Yeah, well, you said a couple of things in there. One of them is about creative, and I consider myself a creative. I've been at the station for almost 24 years. Oh, man. <laughs> the reason I got into radio, I'd always worked in the music industry, but I actually went this direction because of music. Right. So originally, uh, that was the main piece. That was my big draw. As to what the job is that I'm doing, I turned my job into something more than sitting at the front desk. Right. And so when you talk about first impressions, that's really what I'm doing. And so you made a first impression on me. And I've (laughs) been here so many years. And so I was like, there's something very different about this young man. And now that I do know a little bit more about you, it is your passion. You're always upbeat. You're a very kind person and just a very gentle soul. So I was immediately attracted to all of those parts of you. Thank you. And I am a creative. So in creativity, I do painting. I work with horses. Of course, my card readings. And I also am a guitarist. So I have that creative part to me. That's great. You have so many stuff. (laughs) Tell tell us about these card readings. What is that? Okay. Well, (laughs) with uh, the type of readings that I do are with Lenormand cards, which are really different than tarot. It is more akin to what we would call, for lack of a better term, fortune telling. And so uh, with each person that I sit with, number one, it's a grand honor Mm -hmm. to do that because you are reading for someone. So I take this very seriously. I'm very, very passionate about it because the main part is I want them to have a great reading that can be validated. That's very important to me. But I actually incorporated something that's even more important than that, which is spiritual walk. Mm -hmm. And I do not mean religion when I'm saying spiritual walk. I am talking about the inward journey, that journey of moving inward. And really, uh, it's really about being the best that we can in this human form. And I say it's spiritual because for me, it is a divine walk. Mm -hmm. So whether you call divine spirit, source, universe, God, goddess, I don't know what name you give it, but most humans have that feeling of they came from something else. Yes. Yeah. So do you believe in reincarnation then? Or Yes, I do. Okay. I do believe in that. I actually have a really cool story. Yeah, tell me. Okay, this one's a great one. And, of course, I have so many wonderful yes. stories because I've been on this walk, this journey for so long. But I had this, say, it wasn't really a dream. 
it was I had fallen asleep, but I was in this other state, and I went into a past life. I went to a place that was actually a graveyard, and I wanted to see what my name was because I was in awareness that, oh, I'm asleep, but I'm aware that I'm somewhere else, and I'm moving this grass aside, but there's no name on the headstone, and I quickly went from that, into, I went inside this house. It was probably around 19, really early 1900, mm -hmm. maybe late 18. And I had probably about six kids, ranging from about six to probably 16. My husband had died, and uh, there was a man over, and we were going upstairs, and in my head, I'm like, oh, I don't have a good reputation because I'm not mourning like yeah. I should. <laughs> and by the way, this big, huge house was kind of a little bit uh, war-torn uh, looking. Okay. And there was this barn, but not like your typical barn, you know, that shape that you see mm -hmm. of a barn today. This one was like a rectangle with two large doors that would open. Okay. And out of the barn, there was a man that came out with two very large draft horses that I recognized as being a Suffolk punch. Now, this is right. not a common thing people would what know, <laughs> but I recognized it and I went, oh, I raised horses, which wasn't surprising because yeah. I'm a major horsewoman. Right. So this is the cool part of the story. I wrote, actually, I recorded it because I used to, a lot of times, when I was writing a lot of music, I'd either get lyrics or some kind of a, uh, you know, a certain theme or sound or whatever, and I'd always record it at night. This is uh, back in the days of cassettes. Yeah, 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 <laughs> this yeah, was before your time. I still collect CDs, so oh, I know all about that. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I love that. <laughs> so CDs, that's funny. <laughs> That's still pretty new. Yes. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> and so I knew that this place was Maine. Right. Don't ask me why. It was right. just the place. So about two years ago, I got a brand new car, and the first thing I did on my bucket list was I'm going to Maine. Oh. So I drove across country, me and my aunt, oh. and she knew people in Chicago and some people that lived in Maine, and we actually went to stay with these people in Maine after I got there. Mm -hmm. And... Um, so we had gone out to Ogunquit because I thought, oh, i got to have lobster when I'm yeah, in Maine. Yeah. So I did that whole thing. And then one of the things I noticed is all these uh, graveyards next to many of the houses. Huh. Most of those houses are built from like 1810 to probably 1920. Many of them were abandoned, by the way. Yeah. Are they like because, family graveyards then? Or? Yeah, okay. that's what they are. And so I said to the guy driving, I go, oh, I'd love to stop and get a couple of shots because I'm thinking, yeah. oh, this is kind of what I saw. Yeah. And he's like, oh, there's one right next to where we live. Oh, and no. I'm like, I'm like, oh, my God, really? I didn't see uh, it. So we get back to uh, these people's home, and we walk around the corner, and there it is. I kid you not, Blake. Uh, there's this graveyard kind of on a slanted grassy hill. I go in there, and all the names are washed off because it's so old. And so I get to the other part, and the woman from the house comes out because she's talking to her neighbors, and there's that barn. And she said, oh, yeah, that's the old barn. And it's not like a regular oh, barn. It has big doors that open. And sitting off in the distance is that big white house. Now, an interesting thing that happened, apparently, is back in those time periods when they had their large homes, you were taxed according to the size yes, of your home. Yes. So people would build a smaller section, a smaller, until it got up to the road where it was like a front porch. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so they'd be taxed on that. But that was the place that I had the uh, wow. past life experience. Is exactly. That, is that scary or comforting? I didn't find it scary at all because I'm super open. I think huh. I'm very intrigued by uh, human life, our right. spiritual growth. I think we're phenomenal. 
people keep putting human beings down all the mm-hmm. time. That's all we ever hear is how horrible everybody is. But that's actually not the truth. The right. truth is most humans are quite beautiful, full of a lot of love. Right. We have a lot of kindness in us. And so I'm more focused on that realm, and I'm open to all of these aspects. I right. think we are so much more than right. just exactly. you know these uh, bodies. So when it comes to like individual people, though, do you feel that every single person that's alive is important? Absolutely. Okay. Everybody has a purpose, the good, the bad, the ugly. Right. I believe that every soul is here learning in the way it has to learn so there's really not mistakes. And there's some horrific things right. that have happened on the planet. Right. I have to include those because my belief is that if we truly are reincarnating, my understanding is that we've been everything. We've been black and white and red and yellow and gay and transgender and straight and we've been all of it and we have to be so we understand that we are all the same thing but we all bring something great to the to the picture and so i think it's all important and there are some horrible things but i think you are here to awaken i think uh, most people probably won't as it's a lot of hard work but I think your generation, Blake, yeah. is the generation that can come here and make bigger changes. I think that you guys are bringing in more lifetimes right. because my real awakening didn't happen until later in life, mm-hmm. which is true for actually most people. Right. But I've been reading for some young folks, these kids that are, you know, kids, yeah. <laughs> 18 or 21 or 30 years old, and I'm just floored at what they're seeking now. Right. And, and I don't even know if they're seeking as much as they're gathering information. Yeah. It's weird, though, because I think it's also, which I think people don't really appreciate it, that the internet and social media is such a huge thing for our generation. Mm-hmm. We're able to learn everything all about the past now. So mm-hmm. I think that helps fast forward everything, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I'm, I'm just worried, like, what do we do once we learn everything? Like, is, is the world continuing going to go, or is it going to stop, and then we're going to have to restart again? Like, what happens yeah. if social media just disappears mm-hmm. and the Internet? Well, I think social media, because I came out of the generation of none. Right. And so we grew up with none, none of these things other than we would watch Star Trek, and mm-hmm. what seemed fantastical science fiction is now has all happened in my right. lifetime. I think social media is wonderful when used properly. Right. I, I do not think you will ever learn everything that you can mm-hmm. as the spiritual journey in itself is so vast and exactly. so deep. I think it's great to have a lot of information, but what's greater to me is your wisdom. Yes. Did you come here with passion for something? Are you wise? Are you willing to look at the things you don't like about yourself and work on them? Right. Are you willing to look at what I call the egoic mind, which is the lesser mind that tells so many people why they're not good enough, why they're not that enough or not that enough. And that's the false lie of the egoic mind. So a lot of the work I do is bringing people to the realization they are these beautiful spiritual beings and they all have purpose. Not everyone came here or not everyone wants to be rich and famous. That's actually, that's okay for some people, but other people want to make their mark here or here, or maybe it's just the people they meet on the bus. It doesn't matter. It's that you did come here to grow and to awaken. Once you're in that ballpark, I have these two ballparks. One of them is, I I put it under the umbrella of the divine. And that's where I fall in love with me, which is very different than saying, 
I love myself. Most people are going to say I love myself to a degree. Right. But to fall in love with yourself is the exact same, same chemical reaction that happens when you give that love to another person. Right. That's pretty powerful when you think about that. In that space, the very first thing I'm looking at is attachments to things outside the self that I think I must have in order to be happy. Mm-hmm. When we're passionate about it, we're passionate about it and we want to do these things, yes. but there's all these other things you really don't have to have. Right. Your joy is an inside job. Mm-hmm. And the other, there's two elements in there. When you lose attachment, you actually experience freedom of the soul, which is the ultimate piece, yeah. I think, because when you experience freedom of the soul, you don't have to have that love or that money or that house or that. Right. Those are all lovely things, but they aren't going to make and exactly. break you the same way. Right. And the other thing is I, I am a simpleton and I seek things that create peace in my mm-hmm. life. The other ballpark is the one of fear and suffering. And this is where you see a lot of, <clears throat> especially in relationship, um, fear of being alone is a big one. Lack of money is another one that women yeah. still practice a lot, which is surprising. And they're still very fascinated with a lot of drama and a lot of stress. And you know what I'm talking about yeah. here. You've seen the differences of where if somebody who's done that deeper work, how they're floating through life. Yeah. And that other person, it's constantly a stress and a drama yeah, and a yeah, struggle. Yeah, yeah. So what do you do for for people in general? Like, what do you do if... Because there's a saying, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. Mm -hmm. What happens for those people that are older? Like maybe, I I don't want to talk about politics, but like even maybe even like a conservative conservative point of view, they're like stuck in their ways. Mm -hmm. Like how do you help those people if Mm. if help is the right word? Right. Well, number one, you can never change anyone. Right. They have to help. They have to change on their own. You have to want that. Uh, For me, when I do a reading. I'm not there to change you. Now, Mm -hmm. early on, oh, I so desperately wanted to help them. Like, if you would just do this and this. But I I learned very quick, that's not what I'm here for. I am a planter of seeds. Yes. So I can give you information. You cannot do anything because it might be harder work. Or you might go, wow, that resonates with me. This isn't working. I think I might try that. And then you're probably going to go out and find things that support that. And so if you were a musician, let's say, well, you're going to make contacts with other musicians. Mm -hmm. You're going to be interested in finding people, whether it be a manager, a label, whatever's all involved in that. You're making those connections because you're interested. And and none of these things are anything you will ever do on your own except your inward journey. But you need the support. So it, they always say, you know, it takes a village to raise a child. It takes a village for us to to grow. (laughs) It's true. So if you believe in reincarnation, though, does that mean what can you not finish your inward journey as one person Is an inward journey? Multiple people like through generations or. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not. Yeah, I know. I've um, done some work with the Kadampa Buddhists and I love their form of meditation. And of course, Buddhists do believe in that cycle, that reincarnation cycle, as do many other. You can't really call them religions. They're Mm -hmm. more about a spiritual way of life. I don't have the, all the answers right. for that. Um, I mean, I guess we'll know when we get to the yes. other side. <laughs> I do know I've had certain experiences here about a past life. Right. I knew I had many of them with horses, and that one has played out in a few things. But this is one thing I want people to know. If you go to anyone who does, like, past life regression or those types of things, that needs to get validated in this lifetime. So if you went in, and because I hear stories from people where 
everyone was the king of this and the queen (laughs) of that. It's like you're here to learn. If you're in a human form, you're still learning a lot. And so, uh, uh, for instance, I don't call myself a past life regression person, Mm -hmm. but I can do a past life. I do that periodically. I have a woman in Hong Kong who had an incident that happened in her life. And she couldn't figure out why she was so drawn to this person because it caused a lot of disruption in her life, Mm -hmm. culturally especially because she's East Indian. And I understand a lot about that particular culture, and I understood the stigma. And so she wanted to know, what is this? Why am I still hanging on to this thing? And I go, well, we can look at a past life. And I told her up front, you know, I read cards, but we can look at this. So we did. And this, to me, was something that could be validated. And I said on his right cheek, because this is what was coming through, he either has a large mole or he has to have a big scar. And she gasped on the other end of the line. And I was like, what? And she goes, he has one of those huge flat moles. And I go, Uh yeah, because I knew he'd been uh, shot through the the cheek. And so there's things like that. That's, to me, it's got to be kind of legitimate like that. Right. And, and then occasionally someone that is past will come through. Mm. And it's the same thing. If somebody tells you, the people that are mediums, those that are mediums will tell you real specific information. Those that are not will not. So I had one recently with a Russian woman that she was actually at my place. Mm. And this older man kept coming through. And I'm like, oh, he's coming through. This doesn't happen all the time. So she runs to the restroom. And during that time, he came through. And she walked back in the room. And yeah. I looked at her and I go... He said something about the metal thing that you got from him. It's some kind of a metal tin container. And she's like, oh, my God, she had inherited from him this tin wagon that had uh, where you put little vodka bottles in. And so those are the kinds of things they have to be validated. Mm -hmm. And that's that's what I know. I'm not a professional on that end. I really do read people's lives. Right. Now, are cards more like reading cards? Is that more a religious thing or anti-religion in a way? Like, how would you describe that? I don't do any religion, but this is what I can tell you. I'm from the South, so I was born in the Bible Belt. Mm -hmm. And this is my belief system. I do believe in what I call God, but I do not believe that's a man in a white beard sitting on a throne. I believe in, I have had a... um, I've had an actual connection, a God connection, which we can get into in a minute mm-hmm. if you want. Yeah, for sure. But it was an energy, like a firelight energy, and yeah. it was all full of nothing but love and peace. Right. That, to me, when I'm connected with that, that's, to me, what God is. I totally am a Jesus freak, mm-hmm. but not in the sense that people say there's all this sin associated with all these right. things. I don't like that. People's lives are difficult enough without having mm-hmm. that on top of it. To me... The original text before the Bible was changed hundreds of times Mm -hmm. by all the kings in reign to make it fit whatever they were doing. The original text actually calls Jesus Christ the Christ consciousness. Mm -hmm. And when I uh, talk about my walk, it is the Christ consciousness. Now, sometimes I'm great at it. Sometimes I'm not Mm because I'm human. But now I have tools in place. Number one, self-forgiveness. I can do deep breathing, meditation, and I'm very quick to turn around. If I did you wrong, I have to make right with that or I suffer greatly because I don't live in suffering anymore. Exactly. Yeah. What do you think about people who say everyone is their own universe or their own God? I, I get that. I understand that because it's what I always say is the God of you. Okay. If we are made in the likeness of what I have experienced, then you are, you're a pretty gorgeous, amazing being. Right. You are first a spiritual being, first and foremost. And I do believe that's the God of you. 
and I don't say like we're all gods, like that takes on a different right. connotation. But to me, we are all part of the same thing. You and I are the same thing. You're experiencing what you're experiencing and I'm experiencing mine. Right. Um, if we have a minute, I can tell you what happened to me because I used to exactly. be yeah, able to. Time. Okay. Tell us. Uh, it's such a great <laughs> story. I love telling this because yes. I get so full of goosebumps. I used to be able to leave my body very easily, mm. and it was called in those days astral projection. Okay. And it's where you slip out the top of your head, and you typically are flying around. A lot of people experience this, by the way, and they don't know what it is. And back in those days, I was probably 18, 19, maybe 20 years old, and I was really exhausted, and I had fallen asleep. Most of the time, I slept on my back, and I could always feel if I slipped out the top of my head, and I would fly around. And um, oftentimes, I met up with my oldest sister who had passed, and we would go back to our house in Texas and sit on the roof. And this happened for many, many years. But this one in particular one is I went out the top of my head and I went to what I would say God is. And I'm going to explain it to you the best way I can Mm -hmm. because we didn't have bodies, but we reacted as if we did. So I'm going to tell the story like that. But I hit this golden bright light that was so bright that when I joined with it, I almost gasped. It was so amazing. And I fell down as if you were humbled in that way because the being, the light being, loved me to a way that I can't even put in human words and the love was so amazing that we were talking telepathically and I said I'm not worthy of that and he said oh but to me you are then he put his hand on my head and I'm saying his and body things even though it wasn't that it's the only way I can describe it but when his hand touched my head I was full of peace Um, and I stayed in that I was the same thing as that which was God was the same as that which I was and I don't know how long I was there. It was the there was no way I would never leave and go anywhere because right. I wouldn't want to leave it. It was yeah. the ultimate. But then I felt myself pulling away from the light, and I became panicked. And I was thinking, I didn't know even about the earth, by the way. Yeah. I, there was no connection to anything, but I just knew I didn't want to go back. And I was saying I didn't want to go back. And in this most amazing, beautiful telepathic voice, yeah. he said oh, you have to, my dear one, because there's so much you have to learn in this lifetime. And instead of going back through the top of my head, I actually laid into my body and I held Mm -hmm. my hands up because I didn't want to lose the love and the peace. And the minute my hands went in, it went away. And I thought, I don't know if we can contain that in these human bodies because we're here learning. But that was the most amazing experience. And to me, that was what God was. And I have read a lot of books on near-death experiences where people have died and come back Mm -hmm. and you know the number one thing every one of them says it was the love and the peace yeah yeah the love and the peace but what do you tell people that either aren't open-minded or just straight up just don't believe this like how do you explain that to people you know i don't even know if i would try that was my experience again i'm not here to change anybody i believe every soul has its journey and a good example is if you ever have children we all want the best for our children And most of us are in a position where we can do a lot for our kids these days that mm. we couldn't, that weren't around maybe 50, mm. 70 years ago. And in doing that, you want to be able to help them, but you do not want to enable them. Yeah. And so you know the mistakes they're making right at the start. I never tell my daughter anything. I only give her information if yeah. she asks. There was only one time, she's now 24, in which she was in a situation, and I said, well, now I am going to tell you what to do. You need to, I want you to leave that place, pack up whatever, and you get back up here to Seattle. That's it. Don't worry about anything else. 
that was the only time because this is her soul's journey right. and it, it, she needs to learn it. You right. can't you can't say it and so and you don't want to. You give them information, good information, but it's what you do with it. Exactly. And th- another part of when I raised her too is I am of the mind that they do need to know about sex. They do need to know about drugs. They need to know about drinking. Right. The information I gave her from a very young age, if she asked me something, it was the truth. Right. But it, uh, I just said, these are basic rules. Don't be driving or get in a car with anyone if it's you've been drunk. doing yeah, drugs. Do and yeah. if you're ready to have a relationship with someone, you come to me and let's go together to check on birth control. Yeah. My daughter didn't need to lie about anything. Right. It yeah. was all open That's and fair. it still is to this day. Right. And they trust you too. Right. Yes. Yeah. What are your opinions on people who feel like they need to take drugs to reach a higher enlightenment? Well, that I'm actually, I don't feel that I need to do it. Right. Um, I mean, I've done some things when I was younger, you know, mushrooms or, mm-hmm. um, you know, things like that. I was never real heavy into any drugs, mm-hmm. but I mean, I did things back when I was a teenager, of right. course, or in my 20s. Uh, and if you go to someone who would be a shaman or who really can lead you through a journey, I know people that say it's been spectacular. Mm-hmm. I have a very dear friend who is a, um, she works with uh, mushrooms. But it's all about the journey, not about getting high. Yes. And it's the same thing when people have done the different venoms, you know, the frog venoms mm-hmm. and all of that stuff. Again, you need, I think, if you're going to do stuff like that, you must be supervised because, yes, it can kill you. So you need to be with people who are professionals, just like anything else. Right. Uh, and so I think that's everyone's journey. I have been offered to do many different things. Mm-hmm. Ayahuasca is a big one. But it kind of, I don't think I want to do that. Right. Just because from what I hear, it's pretty harsh. Right. Um, and I don't know that I need that for my awakening. Right. But I mean, if I did, if I hit a place and I went, well, maybe I will see if that gets me to something else. I'm not able to get there on my own. Right, yeah. I'm not opposed to it. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. So do you feel that people can reach enlightenment as a, at a young age? Or is it is enlightenment something you reach with age? Or is it something you reach before death? I think it could be at any time. But you really would need to be in a certain state of mind. To be awakened a lot of people use that term or they say I'm spiritually awakened but they really haven't done the work yet Mm -hmm. and so spirituality in one way is you have to be careful it's starting to get like religion there's all these rules to it and I'm not interested in any of that I know what it took to like I'll take myself for example I had two things in my personality I didn't like I had to work on those right away and it wasn't easy so I had to keep forgiving myself Mm Now, both of those things are still in me, but I know how to use them now. They're not a horrible thing. Each thing you have, like if you take, um, let's say you're someone who's very fearful. Well, that's not good to walk around in fear, Mm -hmm. but it's very good if a tiger leaps out and jumps So it's, again, knowing (laughs) when to use it. Right, that's fair. Yeah, and so that's where I began, you know, for, for me it was... It is something you could do younger, but you're going to have to really get out there and mm-hmm. really start gathering information. I don't right. really say you're seeking because, number one, it's about your divine journey. Right. But it does take time. But you might be someone who already brought in tremendous wisdom from a lifetime before. I know I did. Right. But still. You still have learned to do that. I've still learned a lot, and I made a lot of mistakes along right. the way. Well, mistakes that helped were my soul's journey. Right. But by the time I got into my 40s, especially in your latter 40s, that kind of seems to be the, it's a good point where people will go, 
this isn't working and I know I'm more than just this, I'm more than a job or my money in my account or the car I'm driving, while these are nice, they don't define anything about you. Are mm. you an amazingly awesome person? Mm. That's what you really want to come here. I mm. think that we're really here for that. That to me is what I am interested in. I don't care if somebody is rich. I don't care if it's a famous person. I don't care who it is. I'm interested in souls. So that was that thing, like I, I said, when I first met you and I mm. went, you caught my attention mm -hmm. because I went, he has something in his soul. Right. Do you feel that being awakened even at any age, could that be seen as a burden maybe? Because you oh. might be around so many people that you want to help or just in general like the world, things you see on the news, like these ter terrible acts of violence you see, mm -hmm. might will it be a burden to like feel awakened and other people might be, I don't know if asleep's the right word? Mm -hmm. or That's a great question. I've had this conversation with my daughter a lot because I raised her very different. But I did tell her, if you want to do religion, you're open to do whatever you want. I'm just giving you information. And I said, later on, when she was older, and she had a few things that came up, and I said, well, this is going to be one of the difficult parts. If you awaken more and more and more, you're going to awaken to a lot of density. Yeah. And that part can be difficult, so you can't get attached to the outside world. And this is that part on spiritual walk that I think you have to be careful of. Uh, politics, religion, and believe it or not, sports yeah. are the three areas that the Buddha talked about as being very cautious of these arenas as what you're seeing out there is being projected from the humans. And I believe that 100%. I think if right now every one of us stopped that blame game, mm -hmm. that fear thing of the outside world, yeah. and uh, that I think we could instantly have peace on earth. I yeah. think if you became it, it's of course what you're going to experience. But mm -hmm. if you're not it, don't expect Mr. President or the U.S. government or everyone thinks it's always better in some other country. Mm. Don't expect it to happen out there. It happens in here. Mm -hmm. So if I do the work on me, it affects my daughter. It affects my family. It affects my friends. At work, it affects my coworkers. It affects you. Because right. as you hear it, the body knows whenever it's hearing something truthful because it's in alignment with who you are. Right. Yeah. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. So how have you been able to work here for over 20 years and still be happy and cheery? Though? Like, yeah. doesn't that feel like maybe like a, a cycle in a way even? Uh, no, because what I did, thank God, I needed this place for several things. When I first started here, I wasn't as awakened. Okay. That's 24 years ago. Okay. So you're looking at a quarter of a century. Right. Um, and I could have gotten angry very easily and did. You know, with, you know, people calling in. There's mm -hmm. a lot of ignorance in the world. Yes. But instead of judging it, number one, I attracted one of my uh, pet peeves, which is ignorance. So mm -hmm. I, you always attract what bothers you because it's, yeah. it triggers you. So I can let the trigger make me dislike people. But yeah. I did. I turned it around. I went, oh, that's about me. I could have handled that much better if I wasn't so egoic and mm -hmm. judging them. Okay. And so it taught me about me. I've learned more at this job than anything I've ever done in yeah. my life because it is, it's, you know, that Monday through Friday, the nine to five uh, sort of thing. But I've learned a lot. So what I did is I took my job and I've made it about the awakening. Yeah. So when people are stopping, they stop because they ask me deep questions. Mm -hmm. And I'm really, that to me is how I form the job. That makes it important to me. Yeah. 
it's never really about the job. Even this, it's not really about this. Right. It's about Blake and Blake's passion and him wanting to help other people that maybe this story changes someone else's right. life. Right. And that's really what it comes down to is the people yeah. the, and how much are you going to grow. I was willing to grow. And there's yeah. still things that trigger me. Yeah. Uh, families trigger families yeah. the worst. That's the worst <laughs> one. That's true. And we can learn more from our family than anywhere else, but we right. won't because the egoic mind will get in the way yeah. and tell you, I'm greater than that. I'm better than yeah. that. Yeah. And one of the big pieces is really learning to look through the eyes of compassion, which I call looking through the divine. So if somebody says or does something, I could easily go, oh, what an ignorant fruitcake. <laughs> and, you know, I might do that, yeah, yeah, but yeah. I catch myself because yeah. I'm in awareness and I don't need to react that way. Exactly. That might be a thought, but I turn it around because if I let my heart move into a divine space, I can only look at you with love. Right. So I'm going to be compassionate. When you come in, I'm going to feel very compassionate for you yes. because that isn't everything you are. I'm making a quick judgment, and that's part of the inward journey is paying attention, and judgment's a huge one for mm -hmm. all of us. Yes, I still sure. do it, and yeah. I catch myself, and I'm like, oh, God, I'm still yeah. doing that. You know, it's a tough one to break, and so it's not about perfection because I think I'm going to keep doing this work till the day I leave this planet, and I only ask, may I retain as much wisdom right. as I can of what I've learned. Right. So growing up in Texas, and now you're here in Seattle, is that mm -hmm. part of your journey, do you feel like? Do you feel like you've gained a lot of experience just living in this culture in general? Um, well, growing up in Texas, uh, I lived there until I was 13. Okay. And, you know, we lived in regular suburbia. And th that was such a different time period, too, because right. I was a kid in the 60s, right. a teenager in the early 70s. And uh, I actually moved back to Alabama, which is where I'm born. Oh, yeah, I but I only there. lived there about two years. Yeah. Um, I actually have always experienced great things with people no matter where I've lived. But I will have to say when I moved to the Northwest, it was culture shock for me. Mm -hmm. And I had actually traveled a lot too. Yeah. But it was unfriendly. It was not inv inviting. It was not accepting. It's called the Seattle freeze. Is that what it's called? Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, yeah, it was. And so, but what I learned is I made adjustments. I started yeah. changing things. And it did teach me a lot more about my own ignorances, so to speak. And there are some here too. And I have found no matter where you live on the planet, yeah. there's a prejudice against that person or that group. You can't get away from that. Right. But I'm not interested in those modalities. Right. I'm interested in my growth and I'm interested in people. Right. I do believe that they're beautiful beings. So I've learned a lot in the Northwest. And actually, I wouldn't even want to live anywhere else right, now because right. I've learned so much. Right. So, yeah. What is your take on the culture now that you've been here for so long? You say it started out unfriendly in a way mm -hmm. which is that's a that's a huge thing for people because mm -hmm. i'm one of the people that say it also like because mm -hmm. i'm i love seattle as a whole i say even tacoma is seattle in my opinion like i say mm -hmm. everything is greater seattle you know and yeah. an artist i just talked to said that can be hard for people just moving here because it isn't seattle it's a different part you know you like tacoma yeah just oh yeah that's like entirely that. different yeah. yeah now where are you from i'm from mercer island i'm just right oh, across the, yeah <laughs> so the thing about me i think i was literally one of the only black families on mercer island mm -hmm. and some people might say that's being whitewashed or something like that mm -hmm. but i use the opportunity to live with such in such a wealthy area as an opportunity to share with other people you betcha i feel that a lot of younger people living on Mercer Island mm -hmm. kind of feel entitled mm -hmm. but you can't 
feel entitled. You have to think of it as an opportunity and how to share your perspective of living something somewhere so mm-hmm. wealthy and happy in such a community type place like that, mm-hmm. and how to spread that. Because right. some people don't even across the water in Seattle, people mm-hmm. don't experience that at all. Mm-hmm. So it's just it's difficult to see how many like people are so happy on Mercer Island, and a lot of people might even be like kids are scared to go to Seattle because of how different it is. Mm-hmm. For a lot of Mercer Islanders, it's even mm-hmm. a culture shock to go mm-hmm. to Seattle. I get it. I understand that. Well, you know what? I, one of the things that you said in there, I'm just super proud of you, and this is the whole thing, is that that whole thing of being a color is disturbing to me in this day and age. I think that where you're at, you're not whitewashed, or mm-hmm. all that, all those, all those terms actually irritate me, and they irritate me because it's like there's a show on TV called Blackish, <laughs> which is, uh, yeah. I've, I've not really watched it, but I can assume what the premise is that these uh, black kids are more white acting yes, and yes, all that. Yes. I think that you were put there. I think that you are just as you look very mixed to me. I'm not right. sure really what you are. We talked about that earlier. But whatever it is, you're bringing the best of who you are as a human. Right. I don't care what that is. And I'm sure the people on Mercer Island are wonderful people. Right. And uh, I, uh, when people put people with money down, I find that irritating. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, they probably worked really yeah, hard exactly. for that. They probably didn't get it easily. When I read cards for people that are real successful financially, Man, these people, they're like you. You have your own business here. They started out doing that when it probably wasn't very popular. And people have worked real hard usually for what they have. Mm -hmm. Um, And anybody can do that from anywhere. I mean, we hear of people who were born in a really uh, terrible area of Seattle or Chicago or Detroit, you name it. And these people they come out of that and do these amazing things on the planet. Mm -hmm. So I think that's all about your passion, your drive, and there are uh, situations that are very difficult to get out of. And that gets into that whole place of ignorance. Mm -hmm. And people keep perpetuating things, whether it be racism or things that aren't even in your life right now. And, And, you know, I hear things, you hear things, but I'm not interested in that. I'm interested in souls of beings. Mm-hmm. And I will be happy on the planet when we move to a space where all of those judgments of people are, you know, are gone. I'm right. so tired of it. It's right. like, That's it's fair. just, it's a very old paradigm to mm-hmm. me. And it's like, like you and I sitting here, there's no difference between you and I. I'm right. older. Right, right, right. <laughs> right, yeah. we're, we're all human. That's you know? right. That's it. So... What is advice for people that want to get into reading cards or mm. learn more about spirituality? Okay, well, for me, like I told you earlier, I grew up with the cards, right. so I was really fortunate in that way. I mean, I was sort of bent that way. I was mm-hmm. interested in, right. I hate using the term metaphysical, but I'm interested in those spiritual things. If people are interested in getting into it, there's a lot of ways that they can. Uh, I had that piece in place. But what really started my spiritual journey is about, it's been probably 25 years ago, and I put in the computer, Free Meditation Bellevue. (laughs) And up pops that thing with the Kadampa Buddhist, which I didn't even know that's what that was. And I went, oh, that sounds interesting because I want to learn a real meditation. So I went over to this thing. It was only an hour and a half in the evening. I think it was um, like 7 to 8.30 or something. So I go over to the place, and they start talking about how they were how the meditation they do and they walked us through it and right away I was like oh this one is amazing this is really good I can really feel it 
and they always had a monk in training and I was there was no accidents mm -hmm. this particular man this monk in training the first thing he says when we're done with the meditation part is he looks up and he goes in this beautiful voice how they all talk <laughs> and he goes let's talk about attachment and human problems and human suffering and when he said attachment I thought at first he meant well, what, do we have to walk detached? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. and then I went, oh, he meant attachments to things. Yeah. And he was spot on. All the things I've learned since then. And I went to that for probably about a year and a half. Right. And by the way, I took my daughter. Yeah. And they were they were so impressed. They go, no one brings their kids. And I go, <laughs> well, they she's learning. Yeah, I'm learning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the cool part about it, the reason I kept going is my daughter asked me some very profound questions in her in her little seat in back. She was pretty small then. And I was like, I was thinking, oh, that is amazing at what the questions yes. that she came up with were just, it, were, they were fantastic. Yes. And that's what really began a deeper journey for me. And I, I really sought out all kinds of things. I've done all kinds of Native American mm -hmm. ceremonies, drumming and pipe ceremony, a lot. Uh, I did a despacho ceremony, which is a Peruvian one. I learned, I went to all kinds of things. I'd listened to an author that I liked and, right. and you know, I was reading information. I was, I was just gathering information. So I've done so many things. So you draw from the things, everything that you hear, your yes. body knows if it's your truth or not. Yes. And, um, and that's what began it. And then I was reading cards more and more and that just blew up and had a mind of its own. And that's where I came to the place of, no matter what I read, if I say, oh, you're gonna meet the love of your life or right. whatever, and I've learned uh, many different things over the years, but without the spiritual walk part, none of the rest of it matters. Right. It doesn't matter if you meet the love of your life. Right. That's only a snippet. It's not yes. your whole life. And who knows how long that will be. Yes. Is it, are you together a year, two years, five years, ten? I don't know. But I, one thing I learned is I do not believe in suffering it out with another human. Yeah. So you can see how bringing in the spiritual walk is you're going to have to do the work if you want the ultimate life. Right. And it doesn't come down to those things. Like I said, while it's we all want to have money because our planet, that is one piece on our planet. Everyone wants to be loved, but start out with that self-love. Yes. Really fall yes. in love with you because otherwise you end up, most people are in really resentful relationships mm -hmm. and very unhappy. And you know, it's like we've all grown up and you see what's out there. I know a right. couple of people where they're, they've both done very deep work and they're very awakened beings. Right. Mm -hmm. It does take work, that's mm -hmm. for sure. Mm -hmm. So how do people reach out to you? Uh, best way to reach me is uh, to reach out through my Facebook page, which is The Gaelic, G-A-E-L-I-C, Lenormand, L-E-N-O-R-M-A-N-D. They can message me there. That's okay. probably the easiest. Or they can call me at 425 869 one three three zero to book a reading. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Diana. This is DJ Blake and Diana. <laughs> <laughs>